0: The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Mark. Glory to you, Christ. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, you, Lord Christ. Christ. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. This is how St. Mark's Gospel account ends. With a strange and almost anxious silence. I've been thinking more and more lately about how preaching is such a strange thing to do. Right? I was talking with a friend about this I don't know if this is correct, but I I just wonder, like, would TED Talks even be a thing if Christian preaching hadn't so influenced Western social life? Preaching is a bizarrely foolish thing to do. But for those of us that have been raised in the church, it's likely become semi-normal. But I think really when you just sort of stop to think about it, you realize it's, it's really strange. You've likely heard it said that the medium is the message, meaning that the way you go about presenting something, the media you choose to enlist in getting your message across actually shapes the way that your message is received. And with that, I have to say, God seems to have nailed it with this one, because preaching really is quite foolish. And as we've discussed in the recent past, the message of the cross is foolishness at least to those who are perishing. To attempt to put language around the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ is absolute madness. What should one say? The way that St. Mark most likely ended his telling of the gospel of Christ here in verse 8 There are longer endings. If you have your Bible with you, you'll see. Usually they put them in brackets to tell you that those endings were added sometime later. But the way that he ends it here with Christ's followers walking away from his empty tomb, terrorized, amazed, dismayed, and above all, silent, is his attempt at trying to lodge an answer deep in our chest to the question of what should one say regarding Christ's crucifixion and resurrection, And his answer is the resurrection of Christ demands proclamation. As strange as it may be, there's nothing else to do. Mark has set us up well for this ending. If if you've ever read through his gospel, and I encourage you to do so if you haven't, in one sitting. It's, It's the shortest of the gospels. And you'll notice right away that throughout his gospel account, seemingly wherever Jesus goes, he's casting out demons, healing the sick, and bringing wholeness where there was fracture. And several times when Jesus works these miracles, he commands the people that he is healing to be silent. And almost every time they disobey him. And if you're a Christian reading it, you're sort of like, well, I mean, is that good? And then here at the end, the angel sitting in the empty tomb tells Christ's followers directly to go and tell, speak, say what happened, tell his disciples that he is risen. But they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. you've not yet seen the movie Lady Bird, you absolutely must. Go this week. It's a beautifully written and often hilarious coming-of-age tale, which are so sort of typical in our culture that it it really takes a genius to to get one that strikes in a cultural moment. And Greta Gerwig has, has done it quite well, I think. It's, it's the story of this young girl, and, and she's getting ready to leave home, she's getting ready to graduate high school, and she's fighting a lot with her mom. And it's really a coming-of-age tale for both of them, because they're both learning what's going to happen in this next stage of life. And at the very end of the movie, our heroine is on the precipice of a new journey in her life. And so, of course, she's having all of these realizations about what she's been living through up till now, and how it's all been Pointing her to this next step, this next place, this next way of being in the world. Greta Gerwig, who wrote and directed this film, honestly is a genius. And she ends the entire thing with the camera on Ladybird as she takes one big breath in. Cut. End of the movie. I feel like in a sense that this is what St. Mark is actually doing with his gospel ending. It's as if the nascent church, in shock at the emptiness of the tomb, collectively draws her breath. And Mark's point is that the expiration of that breath has been happening ever since in the breathing out of the apostolic kerygma, the proclamation message that Christ's disciples gasped out in every city and village, effectively turning the Roman world upside down in a matter of a few years. Whatever you think about Christianity, by the way, you have to reckon with that. How does a group of ragtag guys turn the entire world upside down in a matter of a few years by going around preaching? This is what's corroborated from the other gospel accounts, that the resurrected Jesus appears to his disciples and to many others before his ascension, and that within a few short days, the apostolic band that had been huddled together in fear— Sets fire to Jerusalem and eventually the Mediterranean world with their preaching. The apostolic preaching was always a message about Christ crucified and resurrected according to the Hebrew scriptures. And as foolish as that message may seem, and as foolish as the method of preaching may be, it is the only thing that can make sense of such a turn of events. is that it actually happened. As Flaming Rutledge has so eloquently put it, the church is not a memorial society. Right? The church is not a memorial society. We do not exist to keep vigil over a dead Jesus. We exist to bring homage, devotion, and worship to a risen king. Now, I I get... It's somewhat easy to see the resurrection when ripped away from its context of Christ's crucifixion and ascension to the right hand of the Father as something so strange on the face of it that it should just be domesticated, right? As many have tried to do over the years. But the Christian message that St. Peter so clearly elucidates in our first reading from Acts is not that, you know, Jesus, this, this guy who teaches really good things about love, brought, quote, Resurrection to our interior life. It's not some metaphor for starting over or having a new lease on life. We're not talking about a psychological shift or an alignment of your chakras to give you a fuller sense of life right now. That's not the message. The Christian message that Christ commanded his apostles to preach and hand down through the ages of the church is that there is a day coming when God will judge the entire earth through one man and he has declared that he will do so by raising that man from the dead that's the message the god man jesus christ the one who was crucified has been brought back to life and in that god is guaranteeing to the whole world that it is in him that all things will be judged Now, I realize, despite what I'm wearing, that we live in a very different world from the one in which St. Peter went about making his proclamation of Christ's kingship and impending judgment. We no longer live in a world where you can just assume God's existence, let alone his involvement in human affairs, let alone his potential to maybe care about things that we're doing. But I still think that there are few among us, even if we can't get on board with a personal God, there are few among us who live as though justice and, justi- and injustice aren't real, right? Most of us are living as if justice and injustice are real categories, whether it's as small as getting cut off in traffic or as horrifying as domestic abuse or sexual assault or mass shootings, we all have a sense that things aren't right and that that's not okay. And we all live with a sort of helplessness, don't we? It's not that our choices aren't real. It's not that we can't actualize moral uh, decisions in our life but it's that we can't seem to live up to our own ideas about justice and morality. Even the low bars that we set for ourselves, we can't seem to get, at least not consistently. Not to mention the specter of death that hangs over everything. Even David Bowie couldn't live forever. as we realize that our heroes die and pass into memory, and that people that we once loved and looked up to have shadow sides rife with horror, and if we allow ourselves to realize that we, too, have brought pain to those around us, even if it's just a word spoken in anger, the message of Christ's resurrection is thrown, I think, into clearer relief, There is a day coming when all things will be set to rights. When all crooked paths will be made straight. Now, unless you're pretty good at hiding away from yourself, you might notice we haven't quite gotten to the good news yet, right? Yes, those that have wronged us will be called into account, but so will we. And so exact will that accounting be that there will be no room for finger-pointing. There will be no space for evasion. But the good news is there. It's right at the end of Peter's sermon when he says that this one who has risen from the dead and been appointed judge over the living and the dead has brought about something miraculously incredible, that by believing in him and what his death and his resurrection have accomplished, we can have forgiveness of sins. That's the good news. The judge of all things hasn't come bursting through a ring of fire ready to pulverize all us sinners. Rather, he allowed himself to be pulverized at our hands. He put himself under condemnation that was hanging over our heads, bearing the weight of all the injustice in the world. And if you put your trust there, then on the day appointed by God, you will be found in Christ, in the judge himself. That's the good news. It is through faith and baptism that you can, as St. Paul says... In our second lesson this evening, be found in Christ. As I said last night, baptism is a throwing together of your life with the life of the crucified and resurrected one. And so in your baptism, you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. That's the good news. The good news is when that terrible great day of judgment finally comes, Christ will appear in glory and you will become like him. For you will see him as he is. Alleluia. Christ is risen.